Hey everyone, this is Nathan. I just want you to know that I'm well aware that Ablucas is on IR now. This was recorded last night and is just going up now. And so um, just imagine that I was when I said that I was hoping one of them would be back. I'm just really sad now. All right, thanks. Enjoy the show. Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Desano, joined as always by the Joe Pesci to my Harvey Keitel. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm uh I'm funny how? Funny like I yeah. amuse you? Uh you're fu- yeah, it's the it's the red hair. It reminds me of a clown. And <laughs> <laughs> no, very own. Uh get your shine box. <laughs> All right. Very own substitute, right? Coming in for Eric, we've got <laughs> the one, the only, uh, John C. Riley himself, Brett Hancock. Brett, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I think we can, I think we can uh, close the book on who hates himself more, Brett or anybody on, else on the planet, because Eric couldn't face the music, but I, but I am here. Well, I mean, it, it is funny because after this is you paying back for me filling in for you after the game, after the after the game, Ooh, yeah, I was gonna say, after good the point. game, Brett was like, I just can't do this right now. I was out. <laughs> it's like, I just can't. And I was like, you know what? I'll just, I got this. I'll just go in there and I'll just say something. Then Kevin jumped in and like kind of gave me someone to talk to, which was great. Was so otherwise, uh, otherwise, I think I was just going to be talking to Flock, which probably would have been fine, actually. Probably would have been a, a, ni- a nice weird change of pace for everyone. Welcome but, to Misery Cast with Nathan and Flock. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man, I was not happy at the end of that game. It was, was super, super, super unhappy. I so, was like, man, I bet Brett's garden looks really nice right now. Because he's about forty five minutes to go working in. Actually, I spent three hours in it today. So <laughs> if we're if we're going residual, to residual period, effect. Oh, and it does look great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's not go straight into the Seahawks because that is uh I'll talk about that in a second. But there, I just wanted to go over a few. I just wanted to tell you guys a few things that might make you feel a little bit better about us, but a little bit better about the Seahawks. Like, did you guys know? That the Broncos and Sean Payton's debut lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> did you did you guys did you guys know that the Bears pooped their pants at home against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers? Keep going. I like they, about, I like David J. Lettering this. Did, did, you, did you guys you hear about this? Do you know about yeah. this? Did you guys hear about did this? Did you guys know that the Bengals nearly got shut out against the Cleveland Browns after paying Joe Burrow 50 <laughs> bajillion dollars at Jamar chase. It called him elves. And then he was like, man, we just got beat by elves. Uh, <laughs> the, the Steelers let San Francisco come into their house and just destroy them uh, in the, in the, uh, the, the morning game of the week. But you know, it got better in prime time, even better for if you're a Seahawks fan, because the giants, Lost forty to zero at home to division rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. Come on, that, we gotta really be thankful that they just took all the heat off of the Seahawks by, by blowing that game. 
And then oh, the yeah. Jets, the Jets and Bills just put up the poo poo platter deluxe. Both teams should be embarrassed about that one because the Jets lost Aaron Rodgers for the season, and the Bills lost an NFL football game to Zach Wilson. Like, uh, in, you know, in as, the defense, they they weren't studying Zach Wilson film. I mean, how could they be prepared? I'm and sure. he, <laughs> you got to be ready for Zach Wilson anytime. Any, any any day, any place. Okay, you remember the you remember the headband. I I, I just want to say, like, yes, our game sucked, but we weren't the only people who had a lot of hope coming into this season. Who totally t- had someone take a crap on our on our hopes and dreams this week. We were week we were not alone. Weird week one is weird, and um, it's hard because here's the thing: you spend the whole off season hyping yourself up, and the thing is that this year, the Seahawks had a little bit of national media hype. Some of the media was saying, you know who's the sleeper in the NFC? You know who's the team that can go to the Super Bowl in the NFC? Seattle Seahawks. And, and you start to buy the hype a little bit. And then Sunday gets there. And the Seahawks are playing at home against a Rams team that everyone says is tanking. They're not going to try to win. And what do we do? Well, we, we all watched the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly something, right, Brett? I turned it off at halftime, so I don't know what you're talking about. It was great. We you were know, winning, yeah. You know what's really, we what's really weird? It I almost great. got the score right. I just got the teams wrong. Ugh. Got it backwards. That was awful. When I hey, came I, to my, oh, sorry, go uh, ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, don't worry, Brett, though. Uh, we got 41-year-old Jason Peters in to save the day at, at offensive tackle. So, I you mean, know. I mean, I'm an old man that's as wide as a, as a 20-foot uh, camper trailer, so... You know, uh, we're all set. We're all set. Um, so, let's go big picture, though, Brett. What? What is? What? How did you? Feel, how did you feel coming out of the game? You know, is it? It's. T- it's tough, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are we talking extended? Don't listen to anything that I say during the game period, because once I left that period, I was like, <laughs> you know, I've been banging the drum that Stafford, Stafford can make this team very competent, right? I mean, he's not the only quarterback in the league, right? If you have a good quarterback, you're going to be fine. I mean, he played lights out, and then we lost both of our starting tackles. And kind of more fluky than not, we had, what, uh, nine plays in the in the second half? Couldn't Matt's, have been much more than that. Matt um, Stafford, 91.1 PFF rating. Uh, he was excellent in this game i i completely agree and i do feel like on some level we were prepared for 2022 matt stafford and we got prior to 2022 matt stafford the the real matt stafford the guy who drugged the lions to a lot of wins they probably didn't deserve um he's a real nfl quarter i said before the game you know they're trying to make an offense with two players and i thought they were cooper cup and aaron donald and cooper cup wasn't there but he was replaced by a player who was playing at the top of his game and playing a more important important position than wide receiver. This so, is why we had uh, Brett in this week is we needed the back injury specialist to explain why uh, Stafford cleaned that up really helped. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey man, you know I, you know after after a vacation I can look really good too for like one day at work. You know I'm friendly <laughs> engaged. But no, the only other point I was going to make too is this game was one of those annoying games where it's like afterwards you just kind of think. Yeah, I guess I guess other teams do occasionally draft really good players late. You know, like maybe maybe, you know, this was this was that game for the Rams, but it was more just when it happened. And like Nate said, all the hype. It was like, oh, this sucks. It was it was so deflating. Or Sean maybe Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell just got one fourth of their career receiving totals in this one game. That, that also could have happened. Way, that made me I think John Ross Path. 
I think that's true for one of those guys. Uh, Tutu Atwell. <laughs> Puka Nakua, I think, could be actually be a guy. I had it, I had him in Dynasty for a while. So I, I actually am a kind of a low-key believer in that guy. But let's uh, let's talk about this. Sean McVay had the whole offseason to prepare. And they came out, and it looked like a pretty even battle. But the more that the adjustments came into the game, the more that it seemed like they figured us out, and we just went to to nothing. And another thing that really hurt me in this game was just how not aggressive Pete was at in the first half. You know, there are multiple opportunities there to really like kind of start to put it on the Rams and really put them on the back foot. And we, at the end of the first half, you know, they're just meandering around and then missing a field goal. Like that kind of stuff is just. Coming it's off a classic. big emotional play with a blocked field goal to get the ball going the other way too. Like that, that was a momentum turner. It's classic Pete Carroll stuff where it's like, come on, man, you had good field position, like get aggressive. And he just chose to run DJ Dallas down the middle a couple times. And it's like, that is not what we're looking for. That's not what I'm looking for right now from this team. It's like, why did we draft Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker? If we're going to roll out DJ Dallas in the two minute offense, he is not. I love DJ Dallas. He's a good player. And he honestly wasn't that bad in this game in the return game, especially, but, but he, he, uh, he's not, he's not going to tilt the field. He's not a game changer. And it's just tough to watch him out there, you know, pilot piloting the bad two minute Pete Carroll offense. I feel like we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, you're talking about the same coach who with Chris Carson on the roster made it a priority to sign Eddie Lacey and give him a bunch of work into October. And, uh, you know, Golden Tate had how many targets his first year and a half. So, that was the one thing in the back of my mind that I didn't want to put into the universe. You know, it was like, man, what if Pete is like, oh, you know, I can't run JSN. I can't run, you know, Zach Charbonnet. And I think that's pretty much what happened. You know, well, in general, the-, the offensive game plan was super conservative. Like you, uh, Gino had a 6.2 a dot. That's that's low. Like that's over a yard and a half. That's like, I think over a yard and a half lower than he was last season. Uh, it didn't it didn't feel like we tested their secondary at all like it just felt like they 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 were we were at that we let them kind of dictate and didn't test and the the stats kind of kind of bear that out because if you look at our depth and direction chart we attempted one pat oh wait that's receipt that's receiving there was that one to lock it in the end zone that he that he could we attempted what four passes over 20 yards which is like it's okay but then only one other pass over 10 yards everything else was short like it's like there was nothing in the intermediate there was only there was a couple deep shots but you can't just rely on deep shots unless you're matthew stafford and then you hit three of six in this game and you like are a god (laughs) but the but the (laughs) it's just tough it's just tough and we weren't so okay i want to talk about the defense first i want to get it over with because i have a few nice things to say about the offense but i have um, honestly i don't have very many nice things to say about the way the defense played um this is classic like pete carroll beginning of season defense doesn't show up like bs like this is the classic like this we get mad about this every year and yeah we can make excuses like oh the missing pieces hurt like the the the, you know we this defense is kind of built around jamal adams and we drafted devin witherspoon and he didn't play and that's all well and good but the scheme okay we went back to four three and we did stop the run which i know was like a priority of the offseason mostly because I, I said this in the preseason, and it, it bared. It was a hundred percent true. So I'm just going to repeat it. Bobby Wagner is a guy who knows how to do his job. The problem, 
the problem with that is like he knows how to do his job, but the the juice isn't there like it used to be. And I'll get I'll go to a specific play to kind of show you what I mean. That play where they got the fourth down near the goal line and they pitched it out to a guy. And who's filling that run gap? Bobby Wagner. But he doesn't make it. And maybe Bobby Wagner 2016 makes that. He gets there. You know, maybe Bobby Wagner 2020 gets there. But Bobby Wagner 2023 is not going to make it over there. He's not he's not Superman anymore. He's a very good linebacker who knows how to run field, but the lateral quickness is not there. I do think he's he was a literally a step slow. He's a liability on pass plays and on and you can stretch him out on plays like that. And so that's tough. It's tough. You can't just use Bobby on every down like we used to. He's a more situational player now. And so you what you what do you need? You need other guys to step up, and they did not. <laughs> uh, Jordan Brooks looked good for like where he was in his recovery, but he was not mm-hmm. good for uh, where we need him to be if this team's going to be really good. Uh, Boye Mafe looked really good setting the edge in the run game. Uh, Mafe and uh, Jenny Goldjackets uh, playing the outside edge setter in the run game, I think are very effective. Yeah, but Nuosu playing like 29 pass rush snaps and like he's on the field for 62 snaps. That's too much. Like we can't be relying on him for that because in this game, it kind of shows he's not going to put up like crazy counting stats if you give him a million snaps. And I yes. thought, yes, I agree, Kevin. He was good in the run game, but in the pass rush, the pass rush was just invisible in general. Like, I I, I mean, I'm not putting that on Nwosu. That was kind of on everyone. The highest pass rush rating, on my, according to PFF, uh, it, for us this game was Kobe Bryant, um, who I actually Draymond thought was... Draymond flat out disappeared. Yeah, Draymond was just... I don't even know who is that guy. Did we sign Draymond Jones? Because he got zero pressures and I thought was like largely just ineffective didn't do anything jaron reed was was more effective than draymond jones the more effective interior defensive line signing of the two um, i'm getting depression guys so i'm gonna stop that but i want to circle back to kobe kobe just got cooked in this game dude uh ten, targeted 10 times seven receptions uh 64 yards they moved the chains against him uh his coverage rating was 35.7 on pff he got a lot of tackles because they were throwing at him so much um, and I think they were looking for him and they were looking for one other guy, which was uh, Jordan Love. They were they were like kind of seeking those guys out in the past game. Uh, I think Love got targeted like like six times or something. And they were just looking for those guys. And then Nakua and Atwell were just working those guys. They were like, hey, how do we get these guys a little bit of space against these slower kind of secondary players that they have on the field right here? Kobe Bryant, because say what you want about Atwell. Atwell is fast. He's like five foot two. It's his one and- He's Ant-Man out there. I'm like, who is this guy? It's like it's like a Make-A-Wish kid got onto the field. But the guy is fast, okay? The guy is fast. I'm going to give him that. He's really fast. And they were just like, let's work him into space. Let's look. If he's on Jordan Love, we're going there. If he's on if he's on Kobe Bryant, we're going there. Because those guys are slow. And, I, well, and I don't to, to back what you're saying, that just felt, we had felt that. defense felt slow. The defense just felt slow in this game. I just I was there was that trips There was that trip set motion where they would have uh, Atwell run underneath that went for a couple of first downs. And what happens is you have the slot defender has to play off because the trips formation has uh, space between the line of scrimmage and uh, two out of the three receivers. And so if you have your slower DB eat up that cushion and it ends up being a vertical route, you get burned over the top. And usually the, uh, the DB directly on them has... Uh, over the top and outside responsibility and then on inside responsibility is usually going to be like the linebackers 
or whoever is kind of playing that like uh, at the hash uh, part of the zone coverage. And what happened time after time was they would be able to get a step and a half within like that first five yards and it was enough to create a catch and run play. And so and then it, you just have to uncork a couple of longer plays and suddenly you have a really complete passing offense against us. And they're and they're doing this. They were doing this thing where they were just like overloading the side of the field that Tariq Woolen was not on. Yep. Because that because that's the thing is that they did. They don't they didn't really have anyone who could get open on Tariq Woolen. And so they just were like, OK, we'll just overload the other side of the field. And what it, guess what? If Stafford is back, he's half field reads with the the human jugs machine, Matt Stafford. Like they're going to eat us up with with the team speed that we threw out there. Like just it's not surprising to me what happened in retrospect. Like he looking backwards drilled at it. it in between two or three defenders multiple times. Like yeah. he was especially, in his bag. That was for sure. Especially longer throws like on the on the 20 plus yard throws. It was like, dang, these are some good really pretty looking throws like this is this is tough this is not my not my fair but the thing is is that halftime it felt like we could still win we had I the mean, lead like, yeah we we were we were looking good but just the second half i think it was a combination of factors it's like the offense just died and we'll talk about the offense in a second we're not gonna let them off the hook and then the defense that was already a little slow started to get slow and tired which is not a good combination. You can't let the Rams play 40 minutes of the, of the 60 minute game on offense. That's just absurd. Especially yeah, with how bad Memorial oxygen tank wasn't enough for our defense, <laughs> which especially with how bad the, uh, the off the, uh, their offensive, they were running. They weren't able to run the ball, but they still had like 40 minutes of possession. One more point on the defense though. I know people don't don't, or are not ready to hear this, but I honestly thought the pass rush was like, not, not terrible. Stafford was like, Stafford was throwing in chaos, man. Most most of the time, there was no there was no big big wide pocket. So I mean, kudos to him, dude. Like you said, right? I mean, he, he was only pressured nine times in the game. They got so the ball I, out in two point six four seconds, which is pretty quick, uh, but not like lightning fast. It was yeah. it was a middling pass rush. It's pretty it's pretty average. I just think the pass rush just just it didn't. We, here's the problem with our pass rushes. We need someone to step up and be a star. We need someone to just beat their dude and get a sack sometimes. To, to I don't put, think that dude is on the and, roster though. Yeah, and I said I've I've been saying it like we need someone to we become a star. We like he is though. Yeah, and it's like it's not Draymond. It's probably not Nwosu. He's these are good. These are good football players that can be a part of a winning football team in a rotation. And like I'm not burying the team right now. We could still easily go no, ten. No, and, I know. Ten. We could still easily finish the season ten and seven and, and second in the division or whatever. That's like not the off. The problem table is that there's like at all. The problem is that like there's three players that I would say consistently can give, you know, can give the performance that we needed. And they're named Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, and uh, help me out here. There's one more that I'm totally spacing on, but you get my point. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, but I mean, there, there's a lot, yes, I think there's a lot more than three guys who can get consistent pressure in the NFL. So I, I get don't burst. know. Oh, um, but, so Brian Burns is my boy, but my, he didn't even bring up Micah Parsons either. Okay. So, okay, so, so. I'm going to bring up uh, one, one thing that I really liked about the defense. Uh, just got to end on a high note. Did you see what you're, boy? You're, you're, punked? You're, you're too kind. You're too kind. Do you see what boy? Mafe punked Pukunuku on that run play. Uh, he came crashing in on the backside of a run play and ended up making the play uh, from behind. But uh, Nakua was supposed to have responsibility, and he threw a shoulder in him so hard that Nakua hit the ground and scooched back on his backside. It looked like somebody's son was trying to like run to close the door when like the mascot got loose. It, <laughs> it was like there were moments, there were plays. Like Reek looked good. 
Uh, the only completion against him was an in-breaking route where he had no underneath help yeah. that went Tariq, for a first down. Tariq Olin's a star. Like we can we can just say that he is a star. He's so good, and they and they, our, avoid, they avoided our him. run defense looked competent. Yep, we got victimized on a few people that like you know. Uh, I think let's, Julian let's Love's be honest, a good player. Some of the players who were the worst in this game, like my two biggest war war criminals. I don't know what to put this. My two biggest <laughs> my two biggest people people that I'm that I'm frustrated with were were Kobe and and Julian Love. And let's be honest, if everyone's healthy, those guys are not playing. Like as much. Those, I think Julian Love still gets snaps. They're they're playing or they're playing a lot less. Like maybe they're playing 10, yeah. 15 snaps. They're not playing I mean, a ton. We had to have more tackles for loss in that game than months of the season last year. I mean, we had what, six or seven? Like, I'll be honest, I'd rather Devin Bush play than than Julian Love after watching that. I was like, oh, my gosh. Put Kobe well, I'd rather Devin at, Bush play because he drafted in the top five. That's what you draft that guy to do. No, Devin Bush, <laughs> not not Devin Witherspoon. Oh, Devin Witherspoon. Sorry, yeah, Devin. <laughs> no, Devin, Devin, Devin Bush. Bush almost, also almost a top five draft pick. My, yeah, stand, my point still stands. <laughs> I, I like – I just want to – I was like, get get like, get like him off the field. I don't know. I was, I was frustrated with the uh, – the safety play that Trey Brown was getting they cooked a little well bit against what we had. Yeah. It just, it was, it was tough. It was tough sledding out there for the, for the defense. And I, I think the guy they expect to clean all that stuff up is Quandre. And I just think he was totally overmatched in that regard, which is too bad. I don't, I don't know. It was, it was the Quandre from the beginning of last year. I want him to be the Quandre from the end of last year, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe, we, maybe he's just going to be up and down. seems to take a minute to get going. Like he seems always at the beginning of every season. It there's like a warm up period, and then it's like he gets the chemistry with the other DBs and can start freestyling a little bit more. And next thing you know, he's making plays. Yeah, it's like I, it, he he needs like four or five weeks to play with this, the other DBs to figure it out. Is this exhausting though? Like every year, the defense needs like a couple yes. weeks to gel, and every year we need to have accountability meetings. And like Clint hurt. I don't know. Is he's. Pete, Pete always does this. He gives a guy the 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 keys to the kingdom, and every time it's just like, oh my gosh, this is another one of Pete's like best friends, and he's not actually good at being an NFL defensive coordinator. Like, so Nathan, just, would you say wake me up when Pete Vember begins? Yeah, exactly. When is Pete Carroll taking the keys of the defense back? That's November. That's like when that's when this defense will be really good. All of a sudden, everything will work. Everything will be well, great. Well, don't worry, because in and, November we play the Niners twice, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. So another thing Pete too is Ember like, and Pete Ember. That's when that's when it happens. Another thing is if you look at next year's cap table, we don't have a lot of levers to pull to like get no. a bunch of money, especially because now we we pretty much locked ourselves into like Jamal Adams is back next year, which is certainly one of the choices of all time. That's a lot of confidence in a situation. A guy who's only played like what, like the, the first since the first season, he's played like what one game. It's. I, I love the know. pitch on that. He can't miss an entire season again, right, guys? For right, the third time, For right, the third time. So some somewhere a highlight reel of J.K. Dobbins' one healthy game is playing. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very di- this is a very difficult situation with this defense because. They're built on like good solid depth across the board. They are not built on, you know, let's tilt the field with a couple star players. So it's really like they have to play together. They have to play yep. good together, and the scheme has to be good. And on the in the, in the first game right here, 
none of that stuff was working. The only thing that was working was like Bobby Wagner was, I could actually do like a great run fit, which was like such a breath of fresh air. It was like, Hey, this, this guy does know where to go. What a dude. Much like the entire Seahawks roster. I, uh, I underestimated the Rams. I did not respect the fact that McVay always plays Pete hard. And I should have known better than to predict a blowout. I, you know, I, I was feeling myself. Uh, I had a little bit of DK in me, and uh, uh, this is this is what we get for being too confident. Yeah. They're... Speaking of DK, do we move to the offense? All right, fine. Um... <laughs> okay. In the first okay. half of this game, aside from settling for field goals, the offense looked about how I wanted it to look. Yeah, it was like the non-aggressive version of the offense. It wasn't too. It, it was a little conservative, bad. but like there were completions down the field, like the the uh, downfield completion. DK um, was on that drive. Uh, those if Tyler drives. catches, if Tyler catches that pass in the end zone, you know you tack on six. Yeah, yeah, the, instead of three on that one. Yeah, uh, they were pushing. K nine getting a couple of first downs. Uh, I thought he looked great. Yeah, uh, the I like that sweep the toss sweep play that we ran with him. my thing my thing with with kenneth walker right now watching him play is like dude get up the field just a little sooner he just he just is like he does that thing maybe it's like a little sean alexander, the sean alexander? yeah where he's just he's just waiting for the for, to break the big run he he wants 10 plus on every run play he's he's not settling for and i can see why last year he had like the the lesson oh wait can we go back to defense for one second though because there's something in my notes that i want to make sure to get to Cool. That pass rush win rate thing that's going around Twitter where they, we have three guys in the top 10. <laughs> I hate that. Get that away from me. I don't ever want to see that or think about that again. First of all, they base that on like where the uh, trackers in the helmets are after 2.5 seconds. So if like the quarterback already threw the ball or they did like a move the pocket thing where the where the quarterback's moving to the right. Like, yeah, okay. Maybe maybe Daryl Taylor was behind the tackle, but guess what? He ain't ever getting a sack or even a pressure on this particular play. I don't know. I feel like they schemed they schemed it. You know what I mean? It was like a, uh, it was the that's just a sign that the Rams scheme was good more than that we were having winners in the pass rush. I just well, don't 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 that tweet have, that to me. What it tells <laughs> us is our is our pass rushers can get up the field early, but they weren't actually turning those into pressures. So then you have to look at the tape to figure out why. And the answer was they weren't where the quarterback was or the quarterback already made an easy shallow completion because our defensive backs were playing with like eight yards of cushion. And it's like, okay, so then like Stafford wasn't trying to get out of the way because he knew they could just flip the ball over for the completion. It didn't matter. Yeah. And then, okay. So running backs, uh, Charbonnet, Turt. Or something. I don't know. They only got three carries. We only had 17 running back carries. Maybe they would have used him more if the game script was different. It it really felt like in the second half, just everything dried up. You know, it's like it there was really apart. there was really nothing. And another thing, too, is the Seahawks didn't do themselves any favors because the tackles, they didn't like send guys to chip or like have a running back or put two tight ends on in line or anything. There's a million things you can do to help your your to help Jake Curran. And uh, and Stone Forsyth survived this game. Anything we could have done to help Jake Curran in this game, but they didn't do any. They didn't do any of those things. Is what I'm going to say. They did not do any of the things that could have helped them. They were just like, you know what, sink or swim, boys. And they threw, they threw a a life preserver out. Seahawks second half drives, three plays, five yards, punt. 
Four plays, 10 yards, punt. Three plays, two yards, punt. Three plays, negative 24 yards, punt. One play, nine yards, end of game. Those were our second half drives. We could not convert a third down to save our lives. But you know who could? A team that that got eighty nine percent of their third downs converted. That's Los Angeles. Just wanted to give one more dig to the defense because hey, want get off the field every once in a while. You know, you got them to th- you get when you get the other team to third down. That's like all you're this close to the win, right? And you just the way that they were just letting them convert every third down, eighty nine percent. That's ridiculous. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, back to back to the back to the. Sorry, sorry. I, like I said, I have nothing nice to say about the defense, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep piling on. Just gonna keep piling on because maybe then they'll have a chip on their shoulder, and we can get back to where we All should right, be. Do we do the DK conversation? I don't mind kicking that one off. Um, sure. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, you start. Okay. Uh, what DK did was kind of a jump move. It was immature. Um, and he is a really passionate player, and he needs to work on some of that stuff. But like. The narrative's coming out way too strong in both directions. Like, the narrative of he didn't do anything, it's like, no, that was cheap. But the narrative of we should trade him, it's like, I don't know, man. At least he cared. Yes. (laughs) Like, he showed more passion there than most of the team did the rest of the game. It's kind of like the Gronk thing. Like, Gronk committed way worse of an act when he forearmed that dude in the back of the head. And then 12 hours later, every player was like, eh. Okay. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. It's I just... don't think I don't think anyone should be like up in arms about like against DK. It it was a bad time to do it because like we obviously like it was stupid. Everything everything is like going wrong. So like we uh, that does nothing to help. It does nothing to help us fix it. Fix with what's going wrong to do stupid stuff like that. That being said, like that's why he's here in part. Uh, Pete Carroll loves guys Facts. like this that are that are emotional and that are unique. And what makes DK emo- unique is that that level of emotion. And so I'm not, but I wish he would stop dropping a pass in every, almost every game. She had another one in this game. I, that, more than more than I wish he would yeah. he would not do that. How about I that? I would rather have DK do that than Noah Fant tweet for 20 minutes zero zero zero. It's like, dude, come on, like. If you're the 53rd dude on the roster and, you know, you're like, man, I didn't even get a target. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But you're a six million dollar. That like rubbed me all the wrong way. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, no. fan tweeted zero, zero, yeah, he zero. Tweeted, yeah, he tweeted zero dash zero dash zero, like implying that like that was his, you know, like score line for the game. And then he deleted it like 20 minutes later. I agree. Like, we are using him poorly, but that's not. Yeah, yeah. neither here nor there. But yeah, like, we should have played two tight ends a lot, at one, especially once both attack tackles are down um damien lewis struggled against obviously the best defensive tackle on the planet <laughs> but but he didn't like he didn't he didn't light it up or anything he also had just some he also read uh red stunts and plays very poorly this happens every year against the rams every time they, mm-hmm. it's like oh they're gonna run some janky stunts and we're not gonna do good against it every freaking year it drives me absolutely bonkers brown did uh, good. it just it feels good. Yeah, Brown Brown looks like a solid center. I have no no notes for him. Phil Haynes stayed healthy, and when he's healthy, he's good. <laughs> the problem with Phil Haynes has never been like the level of play. I think we in this Phil podcast Haynes especially run blocking Aaron Donald is funny because he's such a beefy boy that he can just kind of overwhelm him, and it reminds you that Aaron Donald's kind of a punk. <laughs> and I thought actually, <laughs> kind honestly, kind of. 
the starting offensive line was good. Like the starting offensive line, Lewis, mm-hmm. like I said, got overpowered a couple of times by Donald, but it was mostly after the end of the game when all hell was breaking loose. <laughs> as opposed to not yeah. at the beginning of the game when the things when things were going decently. Oh, and by the way, the Charles Cross uh, was it a sack or a pressure? You, uh, I think it was a pressure um, where he ended up on his back. He tripped over the other offensive lineman's leg. Like that was just kind of fluky. Like Charles Cross's the the play that people like allude to for him getting like whooped. Uh, it looked to be like he stepped on the other offensive lineman's foot and lost his balance. Yeah, like you know, you know who that, got that's whooped. Not ideal, but you know who got whooped. I mean, Lewis had a Jake tough Curran. game giving up five pressures, but Jake Curran gave up four pressures on eleven blocks. Yeah, <laughs> that is getting whooped. Four, four on eleven, calling dude. It, calling it eleven blocks is generous. Well, okay, seven, yeah, seven blocks and, uh, and four not blocks. <laughs> I wish John Schneider would not have put this into the universe when he was like, "Yeah, man, have you seen the offensive uh, line depth charts on every team? It's I don't, pretty bad out there." And now it's like, "Oh man, thanks, buddy." I don't think, he's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the thing on. on Jason Peters is he's always played left tackle. So I like, are they really bringing him in? To, like, are they? They're not going to move Stone to the right. Are these? Is he played right for the Cowboys last year? Okay, so if, if Peters plays right tackle, because I really would rather bench. Curran than still Forsyth. Forsyth yes. is not amazing, but if we have to play one of these two guys, I would rather play Stone Forsyth just because at least Stone I know Forsyth his. Forsyth can't run block, but he can move like an NFL left tackle. Curran right. cannot foot... move like a right tackle. Forsyth's footwork is going to get him in the way some. His yeah. athleticism will stop him from. There are guys who are going to go around him because he does not plus a good athlete. Plus, he's huge though, right? Isn't but he he's like six foot seven. He's big and he yeah, has good he's footwork. Really giant. So, so he'll he'll sort of get in the way. Sometimes, which is, I think you've got to take the long way around Stone Forsyth. That is exactly. not necessarily the case. <laughs> you got to go. You got to go around him, which is better than nothing. Because yeah, he's. But yeah, if, you're, that two, if you're fast, you are. Five. <laughs> if you are fast, you are going to make it around him, though. Let me tell you, that is. A, <laughs> His name is Stone. Yeah. His name is Stone. Being wide and in the way is a skill you cannot teach. Some of us uh, are just are just born with it. So uh, you yeah, can't so teach girth, gentlemen. You can't teach girth. <laughs> three three yards in the second half. Uh, yeah. I I just don't know. I don't know. Like I so do we really? Oh, do you know? Hey, uh, in the true pass sets, twelve pass blocks by Damian Lewis, zero point zero pass block rating. <laughs> yeah, that that oh, feels about right. Oh man, it's so they, awesome. They Damian watch Lewis. Every play. Ouch. So. Ouch. There were a uh, number of plays where, like, there was just a free runner and Gino had to throw it away, and that was a drive killer. Okay, can we talk about Gino for a second? This is like kind of the last thing before we move on to what we think about the matchup against the Lions. Well, is it the beginning this of the is... season? So Gino had to be last year's beginning of the season too. That's what I'm saying. Like not taking Did risks. Gino totally turned back into a pumpkin, and there were stretches in the last ten games last year where it was like, man, Gino's a little dicey. You know, he's good, but he's not great. And like, is he just kind of regressing a little bit? And man, this looks like a regression game from Gino. Twenty six pass attempts for a hundred and twelve yards. Like Kevin said, the A dot was short, six point two. Uh, just look. I mean, just look. Bo- he did lose both of his starting tackles. That was almost all in the first half. But he did hold the ball for a really long time. He did. Uh, two point seven uh, seconds. Time to throw. Two point seven six. Yeah. That's a, so it's like yeah. he was he was a little slow to get the ball out, and I think that that that's the thing that I'm most scared about with Gino, and I was scared about from the start was that I didn't have a problem with Gino, uh, but and this is another thing too. Gino kept clean in this game. Sixteen attempts. Two point zero eight seconds. Time to throw. Gino under pressure. 10 pass attempts 
3.6 seconds time to throw. Once the pressure got in his face, he was lost. He didn't know what to do. He was just moving backwards. He was running for his life. He was not, you know, what he, what he needs well, to do is like, what's, Dalton in him. what's, what's my hot read or I'm throwing it away. Right. That's what he needs to do, but he's not doing that. He's just, he's running. He's like running around, like doing stuff. He's trying the ball to do too long. He's trying to do too much. Um, when, if we can keep Gino clean next week, I do expect him to turn around, but I think, there's it's we should seriously at in terms of like the trajectory of this franchise i said earlier that it's tough for us to create cap room next year there is one way to do it and that is like move on from gino and i don't want to like plant planting the seed week one is like a psycho a little psychotic of me but like that is something that the team needs to think about it's like are we all in with gino at this point like this every game should be an evaluation of that and for me if week one is the only week that we've had so far that I get to vote on for me, week one's a no, like we should, we should move on. Now I'm not saying that next week or the next three weeks, I won't change my mind. Okay. But I'm just saying if my evaluation is on a week to week basis, we got to decide because I think this is the big decision. The Seahawks are going to have to make this off season is do we continue with Gino or do we try to find something else? It's a great quarterback draft too. I'm going to throw that out there. It is like an yeah. all timer quarterback draft. Go ahead, Kevin. So I uh, to put a little punctuation on your point in those 10 attempts under pressure, I, uh, he had four completions for 24 yards. So that's 2.4 yards per, uh, basically per drop back or per, uh, per attempt. He had 88 yards on 12 completions in the 16. And when he was clean, like clean, Geno, po- uh, clean pocket. Geno Smith is a like really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so the the point is our vote for Gino is partially a vote for how good our offensive line going to be. But yeah, the I mean, thing that makes it interesting for draft analysis purposes is having a really good offensive line and good running backs and good weapons is what you want to dump a rookie contract quarterback, quarterback into it. for the right. same reason, because that is, clean pocket presence is the sustainable skill. And at this I mean, point, you cannot – sorry. You, at this point, you cannot say, like, we have not committed the resources to the offense. For yeah. a lot of the rush years, you could say, like, man, we really need one more wide receiver. Man, we really didn't invest in the offensive line. This is the most loaded offense you could drop a quarterback into. You got DK, Tyler, JSN. You've got Charbonnet, and you got Jake Bobo. <laughs> you, got you got K-9. You got K-9. You got K-9. You've got the – You have a uh, legit two, offensive line. Two young offensive tackles that look like they could be the truth. Now, we did lose them in this game in the second half. But you just have to understand, this is a loaded offense that any quarterback would be excited to play in. And so Gino needs to perform. Like, it's the, the, the onus is on him. And at this, you know, I want to see the guy who said, I, I ain't right back, though. I don't want to see, although he was similarly as awful in that game as he was in this game. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah you kind of stole my thunder there, man. Mar was lower. forget? Did we forget that second half of the of the Broncos game and followed up with the 49ers game? But I mean, like to your point, Nate, I mean, I think the contract just, just speaks for itself to like all of those points, you know, like, and I mean, he signed it, you know, like they signed it, like they were all in this year. And you know, if like he knows, you know, like, and they know too, and, and that's fine. You know, it's we a, don't have to. Yeah. We don't have, well, I think like it is something we should think about every, every week. Like as we, as we kind of, uh go through the season like we you should think we should think every week like what's the what's the current status of Gino like because that is something that I think that they're going to be evaluating constantly and I hope this doesn't turn into one of those Pete Carroll things that's what I really hope 
because the Pete Carroll thing would be to just keep him no matter what. You know, Pete Carroll, it's one of his guys or whatever. And it just feels yeah, like. Yeah, so is Tavares. You just feel, yeah, but we really gave Gino like a, a, a more appealing contract than uh, we ever well, gave. Yes. Tavares it's a very Jackson. different quarterback market, too. But Tavares Jackson, that... we could have comfortably kept because we had an offense around that, that functioned around him. But like Russell was available and we took him. And I could see something like that where like we don't necessarily trade up for a quarterback, but in what could be like a five quarterback first round, we take the fifth one. I mean, wasn't it all but confirmed that we were going to take Anthony Richardson? It feels that there? way. It does feel that way. Like we were yes. going to take going to take Richardson to to kind of be the heir apparent. And the more you learn about Richardson, boy, that is a Pete Carroll guy. They know, man. Yeah, there is you something know, like because there is something think, about that guy. He is just he yeah. has he has an it factor about him in the same way that Jalen Hurts did, where it's like you know maybe he's not the perfect quarterback, but you feel like he's going to make it because everyone loves him. I can't like wait just, for Andy to blow his fall. career and he retires young. Everyone falls in everyone falls in love with Anthony Richardson and he's great. And he, honestly, great first game from Anthony Richardson too. Like very mm-hmm. exciting. They did not win, but I don't think that's what it's about for them this year. It's about like mm-hmm. the progress and the pro and the progress looked really good for them. And I would be happy. I'd be excited if I was a Colts fan just to watch my team kind of on a week to week basis. The thing that will drive me crazy is if all of what you said is uh clouded by the fact that Cross and Lucas are, you know, in and out, you know, they'll play 15 snaps. Oh, they get hurt again. You know, we got to rest them and they play three games. So, I mean, that stuff is just going to be, you know, like you can't, you can't like evaluate that with any good faith, you know, like there's, that's just too much of a, of a swing. Yeah, Brett, so. there's way too much data showing that uh, having consistent snaps from the same set of offensive linemen is yeah. a huge indicator for offensive success. So I agree if our tackles are yo-yoing, it's really going to cloud the year, which is unfortunate. But I'm with you. Yeah, but I mean, I'm with you, and it would not surprise me next year if nobody really falls in the draft to us when we're picking 32nd, or if somebody does, you know, we take them, and then we still roll Gino out there for one for one more year, you know? Yeah, and it's that's, a, and that's it's all very, possible. It's a very Seahawks-friendly contract either way. No matter what happens, like, we could come after say, this year 15, we can come after next year and say, right. like, 20. Like, it's like... It is it is team friendly in that like we can walk away whenever we feel like it is appropriate. We do not have we are not like at this point we're only stuck. I say stuck with. I like Geno Smith. We're only Geno Smith only has to to be our quarterback. We're only tied to Geno Smith for for one year. You know that's that's nice. Hey, we got to talk about special teams, boys. Jaron Reed, my man. That block, beauty. Hundred grand, nice block. Chris Stoll. Chris Stoll got a tackle, dude. The, the the factory produces results and now it produces tackles. I'm, I'm into it. I'm like such a big Chris Stoll fan now because of the factory. Um, and That's DJ right. Dallas, I didn't understand your game. Okay, I didn't I didn't respect it, and I I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for that. We because, need to have a conversation. You know I was wrong, and you know what the thing about me is is that I will admit when I'm wrong. I I will tell you a million times when I'm right because I'm annoying. <laughs> but I will admit when I when I'm wrong. And DJ Dallas. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know that you had that in you on the punt returns. That, that was a nice punt. Tyler's return. just sitting on the sideline, going, "That's illegal. I, you're not allowed to do that." You can. You, <laughs> you can see return him catch a, the ball and then move forward. You can return miss, a punt. Yeah, he was like totally missed, confused with it. I miss the days when we were watching Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman return punts for really no good reason at all. I was just like, "What is happening?" Uh, I do not miss that at all. No, they put oh, they so put so Reek back there. I quit. <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, we are fun. we are in the wrong numbered year for jason myers and uh it is worrying <laughs> i want odd numbered years or when hey, you remember that contract sucks okay. 
So here we go. 2018. Okay. With the New York Jets. I'm going to actually, I'm going to go back to 2015 because this is his field goal rating on PFF by year. 15, 38. Terrible. 16, 68.8. Nice. 17, 33.7. Terrible. 18, 73. Oh, very nice. 19, 50.3. Bad. 2020, 79.3. 2021, 47.1. 2022, 81. Wow. And then 2023, of course, starting it off. The nice 49.4. Yep, it is really weird that every other year this guy sucks. I don't understand it at all. It it's it's kind sense. of amazing. The consistency it's, is hilarious. But it's if so anything weird. should get Pete to stop kicking, he should be like, oh, oh, it's an odd year. We can't kick this year. I know. Do you think Pete conspiracy Pete would be like really into this? It's like every other year our kickers, this kicker is garbage. I think you were the one that told me, Nate, that there's only like 10 teams that even have like a kicking like evaluator on staff or something. It's just this gigantic like most uh, teams have a special teams coach, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know anything about kicking. Yeah. Dude, yeah so I looked into this and a lot of times the special that. teams coach like stays out of the kicking and they just hire like a psychologist to help them right. when he gets the yips is basically all they do. Because yeah. all you can do is be like, doing good today? Kicker's like, no. Nah, right. nah. Yeah. Well, how far do you think you can make from? Probably not past here. Okay. Okay. I'll let the head coach know. Because you can you can like oh, try and kick it more left. That's my favorite thing about the NFL. It's like dudes literally just let they just forget how to kick somehow. <laughs> and it's like, how is this possible? Like it's just the same motion stuff. every single time. Yeah. So there's no ki- sense. The thing about kicking in in general is that like there are a lot of guys that can kick good enough to play in the NFL. The problem is, is that it's a mentality thing. You're right. It's like a mentality thing. And most of the really good kickers are weirdos. Jason Myers is kind of a weirdo, so I get why he's kind of good. He's kind of a weirdo. And do you know who's a really big weirdo? Justin Tucker. He's weird. He's a weird guy, like in a cool way, but he's weird. So, like, I think you just have to be kind of mentally different to be, like, a really, really good NFL kicker. And um, or just Blair Walsh. Yeah, and if you're just, like, a normal dude like Blair Walsh, like, maybe you start off good, but as soon as things go wrong, you just – you're not weird enough to overcome it. <laughs> you got you to gotta have some – you got to have, like, a few screws loose. You got to be a little off. To be a really good NFL kicker, and um, and if you're not, but uh, you can go to the kitch the kickingcoach.com, uh, Wizard Kicking. Greg Zerline is the graduate of the kicking coach. I, I I know all about this, guys. I know all about all the different kicking camps in the NFL. Just so you know, we gotta figure out what our factory is for next year's draft. Oh, dude, I'm I made a spreadsheet of uh of like where the long snappers got their <laughs> training uh, already. So. Of course you did, buddy. That's a teaser. That's a teaser. We draft analysis. Caesar for later. All right. Okay. We did not leave very much time for the Lions. Holy smokes. Okay. The Lions played a nationally televised game against the Chiefs in Kansas City. They won. It's been 11 days since they played. Um, first of all, we played this team last year. Do you do you, do you guys think uh, highly? I, I don't know. I don't even know what the best way to approach this is with how little time I left for this. Uh, I think. Okay. The Lions I think are good. it's it's the same it. team it was last year. This could be another like aired out boat race. This, this is the thing about the Lions, okay, man, is they were they were solid but not spectacular last year. They spent their top, they spent their top four picks on a running back, an off ball linebacker, a strong safety, and a tight end. It's like I that's think. what that's what you do when you think you're a finished product. That's not what you do when you're like 
Like they should have picked like Jackson Smith and Jigba. They should, even though they have like a bunch of good wide receivers already, who cares? Like Jamison Williams is just going to keep getting suspended. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know what their deal is. Like they took all these weird players. It's just, uh, I don't know about the Lions Lions. going in. If we're, if we're taking, you know, if we're taking a pass on last week, right. Going in, I was like, okay, well this, we're basically like the same team, you know, kind of like it just in terms of like how we're constructed, but this is like the battle for the fourth best team in the NFC. Right. And like yeah. who, who, who is going to ascend? And I don't think so. You know, if either one of us or the lions is four and then, and then the other one's five, I don't even think six, seven, eight are particularly close. So I uh, like, to me, that's why this is like kind of a compelling match but not from like an analysis point you know i mean like we know what this is going to be right we saw it this last year be a good test if we can stop back. the run i will say if you can stop the try. run and disrupt montgomery i think that's going to be a difficult montgomery. thing for them to deal with although montgomery is fan- frankenstein's running back dude yeah although as a fantasy yeah. owner of that's a that's, of, a, uh, that's a discord joke that no one knows as a fantasy owner of jamar gibbs if the lions want to continue to give david montgomery two yards per carry i will gladly take it uh, if they throw Gibbs back there and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're unleashing him now today," I'm I'm gonna be a little bit. They already bit they already said they're gonna like try to raise Jameer Gibbs' snap count by only like five percent a week. Well, that works I for me. Because feels like so it that should be ninety five percent. I think it's clever because David Montgomery's not horrible. He's all right. He does a thing, which is just like kind of Jameer kind of Gibbs a is skinny. He's kind of a plotter, and Jameer Gibbs is small, so you like you work him in slowly, True. and you and you 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 kind of slowly raise the. There. Here's the thing: if the tackles are both unhealthy. Aiden Hutchinson had seven pressures last week against a pretty competent Kansas City offensive line. Um, it, I'm very concerned <laughs> about about <laughs> how nice, yeah. about how the Seahawks line up, you know, with Stone Forsyth or Jake Curran across from Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, I, especially, I, I'm going to fly out and say we ain't going to be able to handle this one. But if we can have any level of competent starter, I think we'll be okay because. I think please, you're being very please. kind to call Jawan Taylor a competent right tackle. That dude had to false start every snap just to not get whooped. But I mean, he did it and it was fine. Like he, he, he did a false <laughs> snap on that na- on national television, like a hundred times. Do you know what the best part was? They only called it one time in the whole game. It was a like, collective. It was like, it was a lifetime was like achievement award. <laughs> It was like at the last, the last minute yeah, too, like at the worst awesome. possible time. Like it's like the time he really needed to not get a penalty. They were like, "Nope, this is the one." <laughs> it's like saving oh it up. God. Call us on yeah. it. We dare you. <laughs> I think this is a pretty mid bad matchup for us, especially considering the way we played last week. Um, They're even teams, it, but our offense has to show up. It's our offense needs to show up to win this game, and if our both our tackles are hurt, it, it's a problem. It's a big problem against this team. If the tackles are healthy, like if Charles Cross is able to play or or if Lucas is able to play one or the other, I don't really need both of them. Uh, although, you know, it'd be nice to have both of them. But if, if either of them can play, it does kind of make this feel more like more of an even matchup to me. But the way that Gino played under pressure this week has got me got me spooked a little, especially yeah. in a matchup against a premier pass rusher like Hutchinson. That's kind of where I'm at. If we play better, a win is a bonus. You know, I mean, yeah, it sucks to be 0-2 and in the hole, especially to two NFC teams. But if we, you know, if if we lose this 27-10 and we can't move the ball with, you know, Cross out there, say, and he looks fine, I'm going to be... 
I'm going to be throwing up every red flag that I have, right? But, you know, if we if we put up points and occasionally get a couple sacks and, and tackle well, I'll be like, well, all right, you know, like let's get back to 500 so I can not have, you know, crippling anxiety from Monday to, you know, to Saturday, right? Like, Brett, but... start us off. What do you think the final score of our trip to Detroit? We're going to oh, Detroit to play the Detroit Football Lions. <laughs> MCDC. 3528 Seahawks. Oh my gosh, you're absolutely bonk. Kevin, what do you got? Uh, I'm going 27 24 Detroit. I'm going to go high score in general. I'm going to go 31 Lions and I'm going to go 21 Seahawks. I think we do get a couple touchdowns, but it's, I just. I think they get a turnover. I think that they are able to get some good field position because based on the sacks and stuff like that, I don't know. Should be. It's an interesting game. It's a good litmus test for us. If we bounce back here, like you know, we're I'm right back on the hype train. I'm, I, thing, yeah. If we bounce, but back also and that means well, McVeigh is absolutely in uh, Pete's kitchen. Like that's that's what that is. That's yeah. that's a damning indictment. <laughs> I think my Sean McVeigh is a fraud. Uh, hope is is thrown out the window at this point. I mean, even if we lose, you know, if we beat the Panthers and Giants and steal one against the Bengals, you know, that's three and two. You know, two and two in the NFC. I think that's all right for the first tilt, but. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough because nothing beats that anxiety of like, man, we really need this one, and then you don't get it, but you play well, and you're like, well, now what are we supposed to do? You know, like that. It's just it just like lingers and carries over. Uh, It's like having a full like inbox, you know, after like a long day of work. You're like, well, I gotta come back tomorrow, (laughs) and like and like hope to repeat that same, you know, that same performance. Like I worked my ass off today, and now I have nothing to show for it. That's like that's what it feels like to me. I hate that feeling. You guys know that there's many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, get in the Discord. Uh, also get access to me and, and Brett. You going to show up this week? You going you gonna to do it? Win or lose? Win or lose? Yep. Nate and Brett booze. Here we go. Uh, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be doing like a little post game call on the Discord about 10 minutes long. And it'll get reposted Hard onto talk. the old Patreon. And then uh, finally... Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. There's like a two star review that's on iTunes that is like, you know, we mo- we have like 98% five star reviews, but the two star review, someone wrote something and it just sits there. And every time I go, okay, I'm going to tell you something. Every time I make a new episode to figure out what episode number we are on, I go to iTunes and look at our podcast on iTunes. Great system I have here, right? Uh, and then I see that that two star review. I just want to say this is drive it off, drive it off the front page, leave a review on iTunes. I know that it's a pain. This is like my Instacart adventures. I thought it was agreed upon as a society that you either leave a one star review if it was total garbage or a five star review. But there's this one person I've done 557 orders. One person has left me a four star review. And I'm like, I want to know who this was because it just it blows my mind. Like what, what was they had what, a what long about discussion with their spouse about right. like the I benefits have no, and I have no idea really, why. Really, really analyzed it. Yeah. It, what about so, this? So speaking of Instacart for movie club this week, um, Brett's going to rate all of the grocery stores to shop in, in South and oh, okay. uh, North Pierce County. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. If, if the patrons <laughs> want that, I will gladly do a South Pierce County gig, gig worker uh, showcase every week. 
Because I, I just think it'd be funny, yeah, to have you just be like, okay, this grocery store sucks. Because one time I, I was talking to Albertsons on three twelfth garbage. <laughs> one time I was talking to Brett, and we're just we're texting, and he's just like, check out this order, and it's like an Instacart. And I was like, oh, that doesn't seem so bad. He's like, I would never shop in this grocery store for less yep. than twenty dollars. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> He's no, like, dude, he's, I like got... a mi- he's like minimum twenty dollars just to step foot <laughs> yeah. in the store, and that's that's if I'm getting like three things. You could <laughs> take anything from a list of like twenty five grocery stores in the area and be like, our episode go, and I would just boom one take. I would just bust it out. I need thirty seconds of prep work, and that's All right, it. All season right. content. You heard it here, folks. If yeah. you uh, if you're into uh, this, let us know in the Discord. Yeah, let you, us know. Patreons, yeah, let us know. Here, wait. Let me read all the names. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett. Brett, who's here? Cooper, Cooper, Evan, Blocktimus, Gavin, James, Jost, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Ryan, Terrence, Tom, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, uh, Washington Fish Quest. Che- Washington Fish Quest. Check them out on YouTube. Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Noah, Poops, Loomis, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and of course our guy, Chip. Uh, okay, when, when Poops, Loomis, he, Poops, Loomis, I'm calling yeah, you you recently raised your your level on Patreon to the level I have to read the names, and I was like, "Man, is this guy just messing with me with the name Poops Loomis?" And then I was like, "You can just change your name on Patreon to whatever you want." So that's just something you guys should know if you're a Patreon donating more than four dollars. <laughs> uh, and I will read it. I will read it, whatever it says, um, as long as it is not going to like you know. You will uh, read whatever is on the teleprompter. Put me, put me into the parental advisory category. Okay, we're gonna actually do an eliminator. We got an upcoming film from our guy Martin Scorsese. Uh, Martin Scorsese, who feels the the same about Marvel movies as me, so me and him, you know, he's my guy. Uh, Actually, so we're we're pretty we're pretty in line with uh, Scorsese on the Marvels across the three people on the pod right now. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and um, I'm going to read off his his uh, his filmography here. This is a feature films only, not shorts. Uh, we're going to do this. We're going to eliminator style. We're going to try to figure out what our top Scorsese is. I'm going to admit that I have not seen three of these movies, but that's pretty good. I think that puts me first out of all of us. We'll see. Yes. Uh, uh, 1967, who's not that knocking at my door? Uh, then we'll go Boxcar Bertha, Mean Streets, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Taxi Driver, New York, New York, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, After Hours, Color of Money, Last Temptation of Christ, Goodfellas, Cape Fear, The Age of Innocence, Casino, Kundun. Actually, four movies. I haven't seen that Kundun. one either. Kundun. Okay, Bringing Out the Dead, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The Departed, uh, Shutter Island, Hugo, The Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, and The Irishman. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to eliminate The Irishman. I knew it. Dang, I have to think I about wanna, what I'm going to eliminate. I want to get rid say, of it. This movie's uh, long, it's boring, and I don't want to watch an old man beat someone up. It's stupid. <laughs> I just want to give my 15 seconds. Okay, go ahead. I agree with you. Sadly, because there is a good movie in here, but Netflix should have been like, hey, man, we're not trying to tell you what to do or nothing. But this scene looks like garbage because it does. That is the worst part. It Are you talking about the, the scene movie. where Bobby De Niro looks like your grandpa trying to crush a beer can? Yes. That was um, the evil. worst thing. It's bad. The worst it's thing bad. I've ever seen. And that, and the so last, bad. that and the last third kind of sucks the, because you're just like, all right, man. Yeah, he's a dirtbag. Like, we, get on why? with it. Right. Why why do we get the dirtbag redemption character? Why do for we have 75 minutes? That's not a Scorsese movie. If they just would have cut it off right there, I'd have been like, "All right, it's pretty good." Why do it's we have to do like 5 minutes of just shots of a guy on an airplane? Yeah. Like it's just right. Right. it's so self-indulgent and to a, to the point of ridiculousness. I just didn't it's it, it's not a bad movie, right? There's a good movie in there. I didn't enjoy it at all. 
All right. The anti-aging uh, stuff too is also uh, anti-worker. I'm just throwing that out there. It's so. creepy. It's creepy. Just go back to yeah. using like multiple actors. Okay. Or, yeah. Uh, exactly. Brett, you're up. Um, I'm not gonna do that. Feel now. free to feel free to eliminate movies you haven't seen because I don't think okay. these, I don't I'm think these start. really old movies that we haven't right. seen are good. I'm not gonna make my joke about Eric again then. So sorry, <laughs> buddy. Uh, I'm going to eliminate. Who's that knocking at my door? I have not seen it. Okay, so it's great. Uh, Kevin. Uh, I'm going to eliminate New York, New York. It's okay. adequate, but kind of long. I'll get rid of Boxcar Bertha. I don't know. I don't know these movies. And if they're really good, you can just yell at us in the discord. But I doubt they're better than a lot of the movies we're leaving here. I'm going to break from our clearly established pattern here. I'm going to eliminate Kundun, which I saw as a kind of young child. And it was weird. But the single best line in all of the Sopranos is from the first season. When Chris sees, uh, sees a Scorsese walking into the club from the red carpet and he goes kundun i liked it <laughs> it's so i pissed myself laughing every time i watch that on youtube it's so funny i will find it in the and put it in the chat for you guys i don't even remember that at all but that's so that's funny amazing um yeah all right uh it's about the dalai lama right dude yeah. i don't even know yeah i think it is about it is, the dolly Lama. okay okay that's literally all i know that's literally all i that's really all i know about the movie is that it's about the dolly Lama. that's it okay uh the way that that scene is shot brett is so weird right off the bat okay uh kevin you're up go ahead uh gosh i'm gonna eliminate the aviator um that's another mm-hmm. one that was just it, like overly long just like new york new york it, it doesn't have enough to justify its runtime okay that's tough because that, yeah that for me too that kind of i don't know that's when i started just kind of getting just burned out on that type of movie you know and i'm not saying it's marty's fault but he has made a lot of those for sure okay so. um hmm you guys have put me in a tough spot here where like there's a movie i want to eliminate just to get it over with but like i know that movie is better than some of the movies on the on this list does that make sense i'm trying to trying to to be to be fair i don't think you have to game quite yet i think you could keep deleting movies based on their quality all right well then i'm going to go with um i'll go with hugo it's like a perfectly fine kids kids movie and i don't mind it but like it's not uh, it's not amazing or anything all right go ahead who's next brett b um I'll just do Mean Streets because I have not seen it. That's a really good movie. Okay. Oh my gosh, Mean Streets it is the best flaws. movie. Mean Street, Mean Streets is the best movie on this list for me. Just so I want you to oh, know shit. that. Well, I I, <laughs> did, I didn't know that, and I did not mean to do that. So uh, here you can put hey, it back if you want. No, no, no. This is the against. this is the point it, of this it is the would point not have of made the, it to the final three. I'll say that. But this is the point of further. this of the of this exercise. I'm just gonna say a few things about Mean Streets to. Uh, to uh thing it's got a great line it's got great it's got it's got quite a few great great lines in them um but i just really like harvey Keitel is so good in this movie i just harvey Keitel in this movie is unreal i just cannot express to you like if you want to just see like a guy just crushing it in a movie harvey Keitel in this movie i do want to see that and now i kind of feel bad so i know i have some work to do i I think you would like this movie like i only like like it that much i'm sure i'm sure i would would like you would like you would like this movie for like it's it's very dirty it's like it's a very dingy movie like it's 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 that dingy like 
before New York decided tourism was going to be something they did again? Oh, yeah. You want to talk about romanticizing violent street crime in New York? Um, that's yeah, this is that this is a review okay. from this is a review from Letterbox. I feel like really sums it up for me. Mean in the streets, Catholic repressed gay in the sheets. That's just perfect. <laughs> I don't yeah. think yep. I do not think we need to say anything more about mean streets. All right, uh, Kevin, you're up. Uh, all right, I'm going to eliminate uh, silence. Um, the <sighs> movie about Jesuits. You guys are killing me right now. <laughs> okay. So, I think Silence is the most underrated Scorsese movie in the whole catalog. Can I say that? I yeah, think that movie is because I haven't seen it. So that movie's low key super good. It's an interesting topic. It's, it's got really long. good performances. It that's the thing is, but, and I was he, not in a in a state of mind for the movie it ended up being when I watched it, which definitely like the thing I more. love about this movie the most. I think is it's really outside the wheelhouse of Scorsese actors. Like Liam Neeson, Adam Driver, and Andrew Garfield are all guys that I don't think he's worked with again, other than in this movie. And they all crush in this movie. They're all really great. It's a really interesting topic. It's like something for me, it was completely unexpected. I went in thinking I was going to be bored to death and I was not. I was like, it made me think a lot. Um, there's, I thought that the, the performances were really interesting and like, it's just a, you know, I, I'm not like a fan of the Catholic Church or anything, but I think that this movie, for <laughs> if you're in the right mood, is like a straight 100. Like it's a really good movie. Um, That's fair. Okay, uh, that I'm gonna go with Gangs of New York. Thank you. Um, this is it's just cool. for the accent. It's cool because this movie has uh, Daniel Day Lewis in it, and it's not cool for basically every other reason. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis does rip though. He rips in this movie. He's he's, a, he's amazing. I I, I it, we lost a good one when he decided to retire. But man, man, they definitely had to put Cameron Diaz in there and tell her to do an accent though. It Ouch. is so distracting in every scene. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what's uh, right. Brett or Cat? Another yeah, one yeah. I have. Wait, is it me? Another one I haven't seen. The Age of Innocence. Out okay. the door. Uh, right. That was my next elimination. So I don't mind. I don't, I, I don't society in new york whatever we're, yeah dude we're getting down to it though i don't have anything to say yeah too much to say about age of innocence like it's it's fine uh also okay. daniel day also daniel day lewis which is cool but i'm caught between two movies i do here which is last temptation of christ and bringing out the dead i'm gonna let me bring out the dead okay i'll, um, I'll, just, I'll just do the, the other i'll do the other was really good. i'll do the other one for you too kevin we just, we just okay. go ahead and get rid of last temptation of christ i like bringing out the dead i think that it's a good movie but yeah, it's fun and weird. It is the weird, thing, but... the thing is that um, the Last Temptation of Christ, it's like the Defoe act, is doing so well. The acts like the it's, it starts off pretty boring and it's really long, and mm-hmm. it ends really strong. So it's like if you can stick through it, good for you. Nice, it, you get the payoff is worth it. Um, and the performances like, again, like this is really, really quality acting from really, yeah, really quality. Acting. Isn't like, isn't like Bowie Pontius Pilate in this movie? Like, so cool. Well, Kaitel is Judas. Yeah, it's like they got they got some good stuff going on here, but yeah, um, yeah, that's the. I'm fine with just getting rid of it now, though. Go ahead, Brett. Um, I'm gonna take off Cape Fear. Okay. I know this movie is like beloved. I don't like it. I think it's weird. The pacing's weird. I think like the performances kind of low key aren't aren't great. I just don't like it. 
Okay. And I also don't like the completely not even like below the surface level thing where like they're just like, oh, well, she was a voluptuous woman. and Oh, she was a philanderer. And it's like, he's going to murder her. Like, what? this is not okay. It's weird. The whole tone of the movie is weird. I don't like it. Just get rid of it. Okay. Is it time to make enemies? Go yeah, ahead. You oh, can yeah. make an enemy. Okay, I'm eliminating taxi it. driver. God, okay. Lord. All right. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> what? Well, I think taxi driver is a good elimination right here. It's fine. Robert uh, has a cool, Robert has a cool haircut in this movie. So early. So early. Uh, I would eliminate. There are at least almost all the rest of these movies that I would watch before I would watch Taxi Driver again. Um, like it's, and I will say part of it is the number of people who don't understand that like he's not an anti-hero, he's a villain. And that makes it a tiring yeah. movie to watch and a That's tiring true. movie to analyze and a tiring movie to talk about, which brings the movie down a bit for me. I, to- I totally understand that, Kevin. Yeah, you're It's good. got that fight club problem. It, I got the same problem every time I rewatch The Sopranos once every two years. Okay, it's like, man, you people have ruined this. A good, a good thing. I I have a tip for anyone who hasn't watched Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore, which I'm going to eliminate right here. Which is watch the first scene, and when it ends, just shut the movie off. Like <laughs> it's it is like the the first like extended scene is like one of the best things that Scorsese's ever put on film, but it's all downhill from there. Like it's the the it's not that it's a bad movie, but it's just a it's just downhill from that point forward. So. Ellen Burstyn, who Ellen Burstyn uh, plays rules. the titular character, is really, really good in this movie. And that's most of what I remember. So I didn't really quite want to eliminate it because I remember her performance just killing it. But like, I don't really remember the movie. And Nathan's review just kind of probably told me why. <laughs> yeah, you, you. there's nothing to remember after like the beginning of the movie. Um Anyway, it's it's beautiful though. It's a nice, it's a pretty movie. Like it's it feels it's very different than a lot of other Scorsese stuff. So that's kind of cool too. All right, uh, oh, let's just recap what's left: Raging Bull, King of Comedy, After Hours. How is After Hours still here? Uh, the, <laughs> the Color of Money, Goodfellas, <laughs> Casino, The Departed, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street. All right, um, Brett, you're up. Right, it's, it's of, Brett. yeah, it's Brett. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple I haven't seen, but I'm gonna take off Shutter Island. It's good. It's fun, but I don't know. It's a little I don't know where the staying power is. I think, I think the, that, that the, movie got forgotten a little bit too fast for being a pretty clever movie. And it's it's like yeah. it's weird too, which is yeah, you know. Uh like. yeah. But and also the number of times Leonardo DiCaprio tells you he's a federal US Marshal. <laughs> you gotta once every time he says it yes. if you want to die yeah, he is yeah. a, he is a federal u.s marshal in that movie if he and if you don't know he will remind you all right uh kevin uh after hours after hours you rosanna that she has a good song though rosanna arquette that that what's a uh, toto wrote that song rosanna rosanna you, you know what i'm talking about I don't yeah, uh, after song. hours i was gonna eliminate uh uh alice doesn't live here anymore if it was still around or after hours i didn't think both of them would make it through so uh caught the other one on the round this yeah. is the seven i expected to be honest uh, uh except for taxi driver i thought taxi okay. driver would be on here after after hours is um like it's it's weird. It's so it once again, this is like a different term for Scorsese. It kinda the thing I like about after us is it shows he can do something. He can do different the versatility, his versatility as a director. Mm-hmm. Yes, he can yeah. do these religious epics. Yes, he can do these gangster movies, but he also can do 
um, you know, kind of a weird like slice of um, life type stuff. Comedy, comedy. He slice had a of good. Life. He had a good quote this last week, which is the other reason that I suggested this, where he basically just said, like, yeah, you know, there's lots of people who will, you know, fiddle, you know, oh, you know, you didn't shoot this right, you didn't shoot that right, but you know, if you can tell a good story and you know it, and you know, like it sucks you in, it, like isn't that what making movies about or something like that? Yeah. So yeah, I think that speaks to his versatility. I'm going to get rid of The Wolf of Wall Street. Not because I think it's a bad movie and it does have good moments, but because I think like 75% of the people who left that cinema after they watched it thought Jordan Belfort was cool and didn't under- <laughs> didn't understand the movie at all. And yep. just like Fight yeah. Club, you do ha- you do have to count that against the movie a little bit. Yes. That like, movie was a part poor- of my Christmas tradition that I've also come to realize needs to be buried. So in that same way, I'm kind of glad it's gone. It's, it's, it's a really uh, fun movie. It's like a great movie. Jonah Hill, very enjoyable in that movie. Yeah. Dude. Just like every Leonardo DiCaprio, just every time he's like, just like I don't know, he's just he's, he's such a dick. Movie. He plays he's he so plays perfect. a absolutely like unabashing a hole in that movie so perfectly. Yeah. One of the few movies that my fiance absolutely loathes. She will not be in the room if I put that on like randomly. And I'm sure. if we're even like doing laundry together or cleaning the house, she'll be like, "No, turn it off." I'm like, I mean, all right, this is what it's made for, but. But, All right. But okay. All right, Brett, you're up again. I'm up. Uh, Raging Bull, the king of comedy. <laughs> that was so loud. Uh, the color of money, Goodfellas, mm, Casino, The Departed. My Departed. my heart says something. I'm going to get rid of the color of money because I haven't seen it yeah. in an extremely long time. But it is an awesome movie. The the thing that's cool about the color of money is that once again he works he works with these different actors, but in this one, John Turturro, Tom Cruise, Paul Newman, like it's just like oh, this. Yeah. It's such a like a cast that it's different. Um, the thing is, is that Paul Newman is so cool in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's a cool so old man. Um, it's <laughs> I just don't feel like they do they do quite enough with these characters to get you like really mm-hmm. uh, super bought in. Like it's like yeah, um, but it is cool when like. Uh, Tom Cruise is just destroying John Tutur- Don Turturro at, at pool. That's that's also, pretty, I, pretty sweet. This movie falls into like a weird kind of group of movies where like tangentially it's like, you know, it's like a sports movie. Right. But I mean, it's about pool, you know, so it's more like a skill than anything. But like this and then rounders, uh, you know, like Give there's some good his money. Yeah, there's some good. Oh, there's some good like card and pool movies. I'm sure there's a good darts movie out there. So yeah, I like sorry, it. I love Rounders so much because no one had the had the balls to correct whatever John Malkovich was doing, and it's the best part. Yeah, of the movie. See, that right. movie, that Kevin, movie is out of pocket. Hit me, hit me oh. within a limb and a limb. This is really difficult. There's two movies. There's three movies that I really want to make the final three. Um, and I. Th- think i can make an elimination that will make that happen so i am taking out uh king of comedy right here okay i do love the king uh, of comedy. i think king of comedy is an excellent movie uh you know uh it recently won an academy award when someone just reshot it so that was pretty cool um <laughs> jerry lewis is so jerry lewis yes. is so good in this movie yes like, I'm like I'm always like kind of blown away when like someone I don't expect just puts in like a puts in a performance like that. And Jerry Lewis is just like, yeah. If you like Joker, watch this movie and just see it like the the better. It's just the film Done adaptation yeah. of yeah of, by of a good director Rupert's totally Rupert's high. Rupert's memoir. And All I right, feel like my... Robert De Niro, his mentally unstable character in this is, I think, a more well thought out, well considered character than the one he had in Taxi Driver. All right, well, this is my final elimination. I agree. Okay. With that. 
It's my final elimination in the Eliminator. It's only one and, choice, Nate. And I really like want to. I, there's there's a movie that I think I shouldn't eliminate now, but I want to create chaos and also I don't I don't want this movie to win. So I'm going to eliminate final elimination. I I am going to eliminate Goodfellas. Okay. Um, it is a great movie. The end. <laughs> um, uh, oh, and if you ever get Goodfellas. The- if you ever get the opportunity before to see the departed is just it's wrong i should i should mcdonald's crap again. i should i should not do that by the way that's it's that's i i'm not i'm objectively saying i'm i'm gaming the system here because i know it's my last elimination uh but uh this movie is really really good and if you ever get opportunity to see it in 35 millimeter which it, it tours in 35 millimeter sometimes do it it's so cool um, it's the right way to see this movie. I hate to be that person, but what an infinitely quotable this, movie! And as we talked about before, cinema. <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. Full stop. Uh, yeah, it's and, a great movie. And as we talked about before, Ray Liotta talking to the talking to Henry Hill, figuring out he he sucks and he's the worst, and he's like, you know what? That's that's what this character is going to be, and he plays it perfectly. He's the Master most unlikable thespian. protagonist in almost any movie ever. Master thespian, right there. What yeah. more do you need? All right, let's uh, uh, let's go, Brett. Brett. Uh, the Departed's got to go, man. I can't, I cannot reconcile this movie. Every time I watch it, I'm like, this movie sucks. It did not age well. And then five minutes later, I'm like, man, this movie, this movie is timeless. A classic. Mark Wahlberg is so good in this movie. I know. When, Every time I watch it, I just, I just alternate randomly between those two I, feelings, and I'm just like, that was a good watch. I don't know. I don't know I, what I was thinking. I think I would have been okay with this movie winning, like completely, because Wahlberg is is really great. If you think Wahlberg's a bad actor, just watch this movie. This movie will yes. prove you wrong. Um, he just is lazy, and the and Scorsese draws a great performance out of him here. And every time Nicholson and DiCaprio are on screen together, it is just, it is cinema. It is it's great. It's great. But there are that just is cinema. Okay, so here's the thing. The movie that so one thing I really like is this is a screenplay that was done. It's a uh internal affairs. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, Infernal it's Infernal affairs. affairs, which is a uh Hong Kong movie, and it is the same script, and they actually credit the people who had the script instead of just making a movie very similar. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of neat. Um the connective tissue in this movie is really strong. I understand it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, and the way it's shot makes some of it a little bit choppy, but I think it's good. It has a lot of suspense, and I appreciate the level of suspense you have here. This is a type of story that doesn't get told all that often with kind of the whole like double agent thing going on. I think it's a really neat movie. I would also have been pretty cool with this winning, well, and there is some elimination that Nathan could have made that would have made it win. Matt Matt Damon Loki sucks. No. Uh, well, here's the thing. You're gonna, you would have taken Goodfellas to the end, would you not have, Kevin? No. I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Then, oh. ma- then I made then I made a mistake because I could I would have been fine. Well, actually, you know, I'm fine with any of these movies winning. I I have a strong preference here, but I'll let you decide, Kevin. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I'm eliminating what's... Raging Bull. All right. Yeah. I was. Yep, and the reason fine. I'm eliminating it is because I think Casino is probably his best movie. It's fantastic. Uh, it is. It does, have, it does have James. It does have James Woods too. <laughs> another dirtbag. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> another another just p- total piece of piece of crap. Yeah, uh, no, it's uh, the dynamic. The big thing that works with this is the dynamic between uh, uh, Nikki and Ace through the movie and how that relationship grows and changes is such a more dynamic relationship than anything in Goodfellas that if you look at it from a character perspective, I think it's a more interesting movie. Uh, The other thing is the 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 final act 
of Casino is so good. Like, I think post heist, um, Goodfellas kind of goes downhill. Like, it's still good. Like, it's a great movie and everything. But the very end of Goodfellas kind of meanders out a little bit. Like, the way the casino just tight wraps, I think, is so well done. It ends on, like, it ends on as high a note as any other part of the movie had. So, I read something someone said one time, and I can't remember who it was, but they're way smarter than me. But it said that Casino is, like, the end of the old school in-your-face gangster and the rise of, like, the corporate gangster. You know, mm-hmm. like the like the 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 now he's now they're just businessmen, you know, like the people yep. who used to be mobsters. Now they're just legitimate business people. And Casino is like kind of about that transition from yeah. like the old school like from Nicky gonna, to Ace. where we're going to break your kneecaps and we're going to to squeeze you to now like they're just legitimate business people and they'll squeeze you still, but they'll do it a different way. You know, they'll they'll put you under without without ever having to put their hands on you and i think that's yeah, like one a person's really... right in the back room of a casino at the end of that movie and one person is buried in a cornfield in nebraska mm-hmm. like no and it's like uh it's pretty it's a great movie oh yeah it's it's cool so all right well uh tell us your favorite scorsese in the discord we'd love to hear it uh for brett for kevin for the ghost of eric ronenbeck we will see you all next week go hawks i'm the